begin this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I got a letter in the mail a couple of months ago, and it was to save the date for my 20-year high school reunion. How many have already done this one? Can I just see? How many of you actually went to your 20? Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you wish you hadn't gone? I just want to, because I'm trying to decide. Okay, Dan. All right, I'll talk to you later. Um, to be honest, my first reaction was, no way, I'm not going and I had a good high school experience overall. I, I went to a small private school in Minneapolis, Christian school. I had a graduating class of only 81 people, so I knew everybody. Um, I liked my school. I loved the education and the opportunities that I had there. I had, some, I had a couple really good teachers, um, but I have not stayed in touch with my classmates real well. I, I have not been a very active alum, and as good as I feel about my school, I look back on those years, and I feel like these weird mix of emotions. There were good times, um, but there were some times of really profound loneliness in those years for me too. And, and there's something about gathering for a few hours to reminisce on those years only to scatter again that feels kind of fruitless for me in some ways. I mean, I, it would be interesting to hear how some people are doing, to see which of my classmates have less hair than me. That would be important. Um, but the only thing that I have in common with them is this is this experience of these four years with really mixed emotions that happened like two decades ago. And, and it would cost money and vacation days to go and to get up there. And it seemed like a lot of hassle for a bunch of people that I didn't, don't really know. And I, I don't know if I'm going to have an existing relationship with them beyond this. So it doesn't feel like there's much to bind us together, right? And isn't this how we can often feel about a place like Chopra? I mean, there's not a lot that we share in common with this small village in India. They speak a different language. Actually, they speak several different languages, both regional and tribal. They live in modest cinder block houses. They, they hold very different kinds of jobs than we do. They, they struggle their way through this ever-present caste system that they're in. The food is spicier, um, and they're just thrilled to have clean water. I mean, it's hours and hours on a dirt road from the closest airport. And we talk about Chopra as a partnership, but it almost feels like a misnomer because for us to, to befriend somebody, to be in partnership with somebody means that A, we share something in common, and B, usually that they can offer us that's like something that's a helpful benefit for our, for our lives. And we have very little in common with these people in, in, in Chopra, and they have very little materially to offer to us. We can spend all this time and money trying to build a partnership with these people, but we can do some good, but, but, but is this really a partnership? I mean, are we really actually bound together? And the answer is yes. This can be an incredibly powerful, life-changing, world-changing partnership. How? By the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is why it's so appropriate that we're celebrating Chopra Sunday and Pentecost Sunday on the same day. So I'd like to look at this text a little more and, and see it as a way to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. First, though, we, we need to start at the beginning of the book of Acts. In chapter 1, the author Luke states that after the resurrection, while Jesus was staying with them, he ordered the disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for a promise, the promise from the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And after this, Luke talks about the ascension of Jesus from, heaven, uh, from earth to heaven, something that we celebrated about 10 days ago in this very building, and that's appropriate because it was probably about 10 days between Jesus' ascension and the Feast of Pentecost. That's when Jesus says, not many days from now, we're talking about 10 days. The Feast of Pentecost was actually a well-established Jewish festival that goes by several different names in the Bible. The Hebrew name is Shavuot, um, but it's also called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Latter First Fruits. And it celebrated the, the 50th day after Passover. So if you wind all the way back to Good Friday, that's what we're talking about. Shavuot or, or, or Pentecost was a festive time of of offerings and and giving thanks and and presenting new grain of the summer wheat harvest in Israel. It's a time when they would bring the best of their crops. And this is where our text picks up. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. You did very well at that, by the way. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And we got a little taste of that here this morning. This is the gift that Jesus spoke of. This is why the disciples were commanded to stay in Jerusalem so that they could receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's quite a bit of mystery around this event of Pentecost, like what in the world are divided tongues as a fire? I don't really know uh, what that is. But I do know that this was some sort of miraculous event where the Spirit was unleashed on the people of God. And it didn't just happen to the disciples. Verse 5 tells us, Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered in bewilderment because they each heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? All of those who were residing in Jerusalem experienced this mysterious manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, Jews from all over the known world had come for the Pentecost feast, and the text actually gives us a pretty impressive laundry list of those nations and where these people are coming from. I want to just walk you through it with a little map here. Uh, you can see a map sort of of the, of the known world at the time. It was obviously a little wider than that, but this was the heart of, of really the known world. And it starts with Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. These are all regions that are east of the Euphrates. They're in modern-day Iraq or Iran. You can put that one up, Jacob. You can see it right there. Also, modern-day Syria. We have some friends here, some of our friends of ours, the Alphalas, who are from Syria. So they're represented right there in Mesopotamia. That's where they are. And then Judea is the local area where Jerusalem is located, which uh, would include the areas of modern-day Israel and Palestine. Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, those are all in what was called Asia Minor, what is now modern-day Turkey, distinct regions in, in Turkey. Egypt is exactly what you think it is. It's Egypt. Uh, the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene are what you think it is. It's, it's Libya. It actually extends a little further down that North African coast. And then there were visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, all the way from Italy. Uh, there was a contingent of Jews from Rome and Italy uh, who were there at Pentecost. Cretans are people from the island of Crete in the middle of the Mediterranean. And then and then Arabs, these are people from the Arabian Peninsula, modern-day Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman. So we can see that much of the known world is converging upon Jerusalem in this gathering. And, and, and while the world is gathered here, 
something amazing happened. These, these different languages were being spoken, but they could understand each other. Some have applied this passage in Acts 2 to the New Testament theme of what, what we call glossolalia, or speaking in tongues, um, where, where there's a kind of spiritual language that's unknown to human ears that needs an interpreter. But it doesn't, this text actually doesn't say that they were speaking in tongues per se. In fact, the focus of the miraculous reality of this event was that they could hear, that's the miracle, that they could hear and understand languages that weren't their own. I've told my confirmands for many years that if, 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 if I could choose a superpower, this would be it. To, to be a human translator for any language, to hear a language I have no idea what it is and be able to translate it, I think that'd be pretty awesome. Imagine all of us being able to speak different languages and yet still understand one another. That would be quite an amazing experience. Peter and John seize this moment. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they get up and they start preaching. They see an opportunity to name the realities of this experience, not as drunkenness on wine, but rather as the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit. They call the crowd to repentance, and it says that the Spirit cuts them to the heart, and the text says that thousands of people came to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord that day. More than any single gathering during the ministry of Jesus, during his life, by the way. That's pretty amazing. Do you see what the Holy Spirit is doing here? The Holy Spirit is creating a common experience. It gave these believers from different backgrounds, different language, different cultures, something in common. And they were all touched and indwelled by the Holy Spirit that day. But here's the most miraculous part of the story that is often overlooked and why I put the map up for you. All of those Jews came to Jerusalem and had this incredible experience in Jerusalem. And then what did they do? They went home. The arrows turn around and they go home. They didn't stay in Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem as diaspora Jews and they left as Christ followers. They came with grain offerings and they left with an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. And, and, and what did, where did they return to? They returned to their homes, to their home countries. They went north and south and east and west. They went to Africa and they went to Asia and they went to Europe and they went with this Holy Spirit that knows no borders, and they began to tell their friends and their neighbors about what happened in this person called Jesus Christ. This was the greatest single expansion of the church ever. And we see evidence of this by the fact that Paul, the church's most celebrated evangelist missionary, found, who, who founded so many of these communities, he actually discovered existing communities of Christians in many places that he visited on his missionary journeys. Now, how did these Christ followers get there? Well, the Holy Spirit, with them after Pentecost, began to work in these communities. That same Spirit at work throughout the entire world. These diaspora Jews didn't need to plan a reunion in Jerusalem in one year or five years or 15 years or 20 years. The Holy Spirit, which was their common experience, was binding them together even at a distance. There was no reason to come together and relive the good old days when the Holy Spirit came because those good old days never stopped. And they still have not stopped for God's church. Tradition tells us that the apostle Thomas, you might know him as who? Doubting Thomas, I don't call him that, but you can. Doubting Thomas, uh, who was present at Pentecost, ultimately traveled to the Kerala coast of southwest India. 
That's where he ended up. And he preached the gospel. He, he brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nation of India. The same spirit that moved Thomas to the east and to India moved in the apostles into the farthest reaches of Europe and then a millennia and a half later to America. It is the same spirit that is at work in India that is at work here over time. Our team that traveled to India in January of 2018 left um, feeling a strong sense of the spirit at work through the ministry of Hindustani Covenant Church, our denomination over in India. And we felt the Spirit bringing us together with this congregation in Chopra in a significant way. More than just a project or a prayer point or something that looks good on our website or in our annual report, this was a partnership that we decided we really want to commit to. And we call it a partnership for three reasons, and with these three reasons, I'll close today. The first reason is that the same Spirit that was unleashed at Pentecost is at work in Chopra, and it's at work here. It's the same Spirit. The movement of the Spirit at Pentecost was new and exciting, and it led many people to come to know Jesus. And, and, and likewise, I'm excited for what God is doing in this community. I mean, just to watch that baptism service again and the welcoming of new members, it's so thrilling and encouraging. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have in a week with people in this church who, who I get to affirm what God is doing in their life and how the Spirit is working. It's a really exciting time, and the Spirit is at work. In Chopra, the the Spirit is undeniably doing exciting things. This church that's reaching out to the Parowa tribe of people. By the way, this is a nomadic people who are below the lowest caste system. They're not even in the caste system in India. That's how low they are. But he he has made for these people an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And he's given them a church home in in such a way that they don't need to be nomadic anymore. They can actually settle and get an education and and have a better life. Jesus is literally changing lives. The church that began with just a handful of families is now over 2,000 people. That's an update from Yogi's uh, videotaping there. All of them are new converts to Christianity. And new life in Christ has literally changed everything there. The Parwa tribe of people have been changed. Now, we might often feel like, so why do they experience all this really exciting spirit stuff and we don't really feel that or experience that in the same way here? Does anyone ever feel that way? Well, in Ephesians, Paul states that there is one body just as there is one spirit. There is no special spirit that's at work over there and not here or vice versa. There is one body, one church, and there's one spirit. And we can truly partner with that, that same spirit that enlivens our life in Christ. So just as those early churches were were bound together through the Pentecost spirit, so we are bound together with these brothers and sisters in Chopra. Now, one of the questions that we often get is, why are you doing this all the way, you know, 8,000 miles away? And and when there's all these problems here in Chicago, I mean, couldn't we just do something more locally? Why do we need to do that? And, And all I can say is that the spirit is bringing our churches together and we recognize the spirit's work. But I'd also invite you to pray about that because one time I was, I was there when Doug Morey was posed with that question and he said, let's do both. How about that? Um, so let's seek the Spirit. But, but what I can say in this season where we are right now, this is where God has led us. This is the partnership that he's led us to and we trust that once this project is over, he's going to deepen that relationship and he's going to open new doors for us to expand uh, our ministry. And that leads me to our second reason for partnership. We have so much to learn from our brothers and sisters in Chopra. We don't partner to make ourselves feel good um, by doing something halfway around the world. It's not a charity. It's not a pity party. 
We partner with Chopra because they have way more to teach us than we have to teach them. And as we see the Spirit at work in their fellowship, we take the posture of being learners. On the surface, it would seem like they don't really have much to offer us, certainly economically, in terms of resources. But clearly, the Spirit is working in such a way, and there's an openness to that Spirit and a creativity of ministry that we need to learn from. We need to learn how to love our neighbors like they do. We need to learn hospitality in the way that they do it. We need to learn about devotion to Christ, a devotion and a seriousness and mission that led our brother in Christ, Pastor Nandu, um, uh, to, to be martyred for his faith just this last month. Pastor Nandu um, was warned not to preach in a certain village, but the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the love for the people moved him and, and prompted him to be there, and it cost him his life. We need to learn from them forgiveness and mercy because the response from Chopra Church and from Hindustani Covenant Church to Pastor Nandu's martyrdom was, was to forgive those who killed him and to double their efforts in that village to show people the love of Jesus Christ. My friends, even as we affirm the same spirit at work, let's also affirm, if anything, we need to take a humble posture and learn an awful lot from these people. Lastly, third reason why we call this a true partnership is we believe that the Spirit is moving us towards a reunion. We partner together with these friends now in this life, but we know that our partnership exists beyond this life. I mean, just imagine for a moment, someday when this life is done, being greeted by Jesus Christ and then being welcomed in and we find these brothers and sisters from Chopra and we're no longer at a distance and there's no more caste system and we're beyond language, and we get to, with full comprehension, unencumbered, celebrate how the Spirit weaved our stories together for eternity. I mean, isn't that going to be a great reunion? <laughs> what we do here in our lives matters. It has an eternal impact on our brothers and sisters and the life that they live as well. So I want to invite you, will you join me? Will you join me in following the Spirit's lead? that same spirit that was unleashed at Pentecost, would you pray about being a partner with Chopra? When you do, you're affirming the spirit at work in the world and in us and in your lives. But it all starts with us choosing to be open to the spirit, to building our lives on God and saying, Spirit of God, lead me, guide me. So just to close, yes, as a result of prayer, I will be going to my high school reunion in September. <laughs> I'm not going to impress anybody or to compare hairlines or waistlines, though that will happen. Um, it's not to rekindle old friendships uh, or to relive the good old years, but because here's my realization as I was working on this text and thinking about Chopra this week. As tough as some of those years were for me, the spirit was at work. The spirit was at work. It's in those years that I explored ministry as a calling. It was in those years that I first opened myself up to God's spirit and said, lead me and guide me in my life. I want to go where you send me. So I'm going to go with a grateful heart. I'm going to see how the spirit's been at work in, in my classmates' lives, and I'm going to affirm that work, and, and I'll be reminding myself the whole time of our brothers and sisters in Chopra and, and that Pentecost spirit that the Spirit brought, that, that brought the whole world together and, and sent them out and holds them together in unity. That reunion I'm going to up in Minneapolis, that will be temporary. But the reunion that we will have and experience with our partners in the gospel, 
will go on forever because we have everything that we could possibly need in common, and that is the Spirit of Christ who first called us and is still at work within us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we trust in your Spirit's work among us and in us. We trust that you are binding us together with these brothers and sisters in Chopra. Would you deepen our partnership with your Spirit first and then with one another? Would you cause each of us where we are today to to have our hearts be tender to the movements of your Spirit in our lives? so that we might be faithful to respond. Lord, as we sing uh, this, this closing song, we ask that we would build our lives upon your love and that we would continue to hear the Holy Spirit speaking and moving and guiding each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you that your Pentecost spirit is still at work. We pray these things in your name.